Give us ears to receive what the Spirit of God has for us this morning. We pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, Holy Spirit, reveal your word to us this morning. We open ourselves to receive from you. Holy Spirit, we also, we thank you that we pray that the gifts of the Spirit will be in operation on this morning. For you said in your word to cover the gifts of the Spirit, and we just pray for the manifestations of the gifts of your Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for all those that will listen by way of recording, by way of live stream, God. That the same anointing in the house, Lord, let it be there where they are. For all of those, even God, that secretly watch us, God, let, let this word be a blessing in their life. We give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone did say amen. Let's make this confession of our faith. Say, Father, I've come to receive revelation, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding from your holy word. And I fully expect the Holy Spirit to bear witness with my spirit concerning revelation of the word and how to apply it in my life on a daily basis. Good morning, church. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Praise the Lord. All right, on this Palm Sunday, amen. Let's look, if you will, in the book of Mark. We're gonna look at two passages of scripture as I guess a foundation for where we are gonna go this morning as we continue speaking in regards to faith refreshers or faith refreshers. That is our assignment. That is what God has given us to do. I was, I was praying about, Lord, I mean, do you want me to minister on Palm Sunday, something emphasizing that? And the Lord said, essentially, yeah, I dropped in my heart. No, I want you to stick with what I told you to do. <laughs> and so as far as this church is concerned, we're going to do what the assignment is this morning, which is to stick on this subject in these sessions in regards to faith refreshers. to faith refreshers. Well, let's define what does it mean to refresh. It means, it means an activity that revises or updates one's skill or knowledge. Let's say that again. It is an activity that revises or updates one's skills and knowledge. Now, you may have heard faith before. You may have been around faith meetings. But one of the things that God has assigned us to do this morning and in this series is essentially to refresh, to update, to revise your skills, to sharpen it. Maybe you don't have skills in regards to walking by faith. This is an opportunity for you to get some skills and some knowledge in regards to that area. Because I believe that the places that God has for us, that what's coming next, is all going to require living and walking by faith. Now having said that, let's look over if you will to Mark chapter 9 and verse number 23. I'm not, gonna, um, I'm not gonna give the context to these scriptures because we've gone over them before. Jesus said in verse number 23, Jesus said unto him, out of the King James Version of the Bible, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believes, if you can believe. Now it's an interesting thing that Jesus would say particularly in this scenario, in this situation. He says that if you can believe, all things are possible. So we understand that the opposite must be, if you can't believe, that means it might not be possible for you. It's not that God doesn't have the ability, but sometimes what we will see in our lives is that we kept God's ability in our life because of our unbelief. He says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him, to her, that believes. Now, let's look over, if you will, to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, and let's look at verse number 37. Luke chapter 1 and verse 37. I got to turn my Bible this morning because this is not in my notes. <laughs> Luke chapter 1 and verse 37, the angel Gabriel has appeared to Mary and told her that this extraordinary thing is a getting ready to happen in her life. He's telling her what the word of the Lord is for her, that you're getting ready to give birth to Messiah, to the Christ. And notice what he says. He says, verse 37, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. 
This was the answer to Mary's question because she said, how am I going to be able to conceive when I've not known the natural circumstances by which conception takes place? And perhaps in our lives, we wonder sometimes, Lord, how is this going to happen? When I have so many limitations or I haven't had all of the things that you should have in order to conceive or to receive this thing. And the, the Gabriel, Gabriel says to her, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. I submit to you, it is kind of connected to what Jesus is saying. For if you can believe all things are possible to him that believeth. Now notice Mary's response in verse 38. She says, Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. So it sounds like Mary moved into this position of, she said, I don't know how it's going to happen per se. Other than he said that the power of the most high shall come upon you. I don't know what that means. But she says, I choose to believe. I choose to take God at his word. So the impossible situation and circumstance was possible for Mary because she chose to believe. And in so many of our lives, therein lies the issue. Do you believe? Now you say, well, I don't know how it's going to work. No, you don't, might not know how this is going to work. He didn't ask you that. He asked you, do you believe? He said, well, I know how much I have in my account. Yeah, I get that. He says, do you believe? Yeah, God, but I, all these obstacles that we are facing and all these things that are taking place, he says, will you have a willing heart to believe? Let's look over in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter number 4, which is not in our slides as well. Hebrews chapter number 4. Hallelujah. And let's look at verse number two. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter number four and verse number two, it says, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But notice this part right here. It says, but the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. The word of God essentially says did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. So there I can say here that it was impossible for them. Not because of God's limitations, but no on the limitations that they placed on God where faith was concerned. You know that's the reason why God doesn't do so many things in so many people's lives. It's not because God doesn't want to, it's because they won't believe. And God's not going to slap you down with blessings, despite maybe what a song that you heard. God's not going to make you be blessed. He's not going to make you receive what he has for you. You have to say, just like Mary, be it unto me, God, according to your word. At that time, we understand that Mary says, be it unto me according to your word. She doesn't know all of the things that are getting ready to change in her life. How her life is going to dramatically shift from the point of saying, God, I receive. I believe what you said. Now, we've talked about in regards to this faith series, there are certain areas that we need to understand about faith. I'm not going to review but for a few moments this morning because I was looking at, I think we're at session number 12. And if you need a greater review, then we have all of that available on YouTube. But we've said in the past that faith's significance within our life is that number one, faith is a command. He says that the just shall live by faith. Faith is not a suggestion. It is a command from the king. Hebrews 11 verse number 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. You know, everything in any situation in your life, when you are looking at the situation or the circumstance and it looks bigger, you need to stir up yourself that God is. God is what? Bigger than that situation. Bigger than that obstacle. Bigger than whatever thing is facing you. The greater one lives on the inside of you. He says, he that cometh to God must, notice the term, believe. 
because my believing connects me to the impossible situation being resolved in my life. He says he must come to God, must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The second area we said in defining what faith is, therefore, is that we said that faith has a component. There are certain things that go together to, to that equate to what is Bible faith. He says, first of all, the significance of faith is that faith is a command and not a suggestion. The second area is that we got to understand what exactly faith is. It is not one component by itself, but it is three elements combined to produce what is defined as Bible faith. What are those components? We said Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so within this passage of scripture, we see two of the three components in regards to what faith is. That faith is first evidence, and then faith is, I'm sorry, faith is first hope, the aspiration of the good, and then we see that faith is evidence, which is substantiation. We said in the past, and we're saying this morning, that when we're talking in regards to evidence, evidence is one of two things, if not a mixture of both. The evidence is a rhema word from God, or it is the logos word or promise of God. We've said because of the fact that it may not be that you have a rhema particularly for this area in your life, but you got a logos. The logos is the promise of God. It's the written word of God. Well, you may have a rhema word, which is the spoken word of God in your life, in which God says, go here, do this. He directs you in regards to what you are supposed to do. But we've said that that rhema word has to match a logos word. In other words, there has to be agreement in order for me to discern whether or not this is of God or it's not. But those two elements, the element of the spoken word or the logos word, are exactly that. They're evidence to a promise. They're evidence that combined with your hope are the two elements of what is defined as Bible faith. And then we've also said out of James chapter 1 and verse 22, he says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving oneself, our, or your own self. And we see the third element in regards to faith, corresponding actions. That you got to have hope, but you got to have evidence. And with the evidence and the hope, you got to do something that corresponds with the hope and the evidence that you have. When you have all three components in their proper seat, then we have what we define as Bible faith. If you understand that, say amen. amen. Now, faith has an origin. Faith has an origin. And for that, let's look at Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17. Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17. Where does faith come, and come from? I call this the hearing faith connection. The hearing faith connection because it has to come from somewhere. The Bible says that Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. Every time you hear the word of God, faith comes. It arrives. All it takes, he says, is to hear it and faith shows up. As soon as the word is flipped open, it shows up. As soon as the word is spoken, the faith of God shows up. Now, I looked at this this morning, and I began to see it in a different little bit, a little bit of a different tweaked way. Where it says, then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, I submit to you, we could submit, we could put this area, faith comes by hearing, and hearing the ability to believe comes from God. Faith comes by hearing and the ability to believe comes from God. So when I hear the word, the moment I hear the word, instantly the ability to believe that word shows up at the same time. Anytime something's ministered, where it's ministered on prosperity, if it's ministered on health and safety or protection, the moment I hear the word, the ability to believe that word shows up in my life. And then that situation that seems impossible to me becomes very possible because the ability to believe shows up. That's good. Now, 
Let's keep going. I want to show you this here this morning. Let's flip over, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8. Familiar scripture. Now watch this. The ability to believe shows up. Scripture says, For by grace are ye saved, notice the term, through faith. And that not of yourself, he says, it is the gift of God. Salvation is a gift that is presented to us. But he says it comes about through faith. And I submit to you once again, if we invert, take that word faith out and we put this term in, we can read it like this. By grace are ye saved through the ability to believe. Not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Faith is a gift from God. The ability to believe. The ability to believe what he said. You know, that's the reason why you know, the scriptures call this childlike faith because children will grab hold to basically whatever you tell them. You tell them, no, baby. You know, yesterday I was having a brief conversation with my youngest daughter because we got in the truck and there was some bird excrement on the window, if you will. And she was upset about it. She said, why does the bird have to do this on my side of the truck? What's going on? And my wife had told me a couple days ago that she had been chirping at the birds. So I used that opportunity to say to her, baby, it's because them birds are angry. They're angry birds. Now I was just joking, but I said, they're angry birds. So they found your side of the truck and they decided to do that on your side because the birds are angry. And I noticed something that was very interesting. She believed what I said. Now again, like I said, I was joking. I was just joking about that. But I noticed how quickly she quickly just believed it. And God says, childlike faith is exactly that. We should see our Heavenly Father as he doesn't have the capacity to lie. And since he doesn't have the capacity to lie, whatever he says, it must be the truth. I don't put obstacles in front of what he said. I don't put my own experiences in front of what he said. I simply believe. I look like Mary again. Be it unto me according to thy word. And therefore, when I do that, I receive this gift. Faith is a gift. This ability to believe. Now let's look over at Romans chapter 12 and verse number 3 again. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 3. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 3. Watch this. It says, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has noticed the term, dealt to every man the measure of faith. God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So faith is a gift that is given to every believer. But I submit that faith is also dealt in the same measure to every believer. Faith is a gift that is given to every believer. But faith is also dealt the same measure to every believer. And I saw this as I was uh, meditating on it. Notice the term dealt. Dealt is very similar to the same word when you say you have a dealer and they're dealing out cards. Well, a dealer deals out cards. It might be unusual to hear somebody at church talk about dealing cards because some people are struggling with gambling. And you need to come see me and we'll talk about that at another time. Side journey. But I want to use this analogy because of how this says. Faith is dealt in the same way to every single believer. In other words, the day you got born again, there are no spiritual defects in the kingdom of God. Everybody starts out with the same measure of faith. But just like a dealer deals out cards, you know, the cards that I am dealt has different stuff on it. Maybe you're paying uh, some kind of cards and they have aces and they have uh, uh, spades you know, or something like that. Or you have some different quantities of or, or, or what's written on the actual card. Let's go back with Uno because you don't have to pray about that. Uno, maybe you have the blue card and maybe you have the draw four card and maybe you have the draw two card. The dealer deals everybody out the exact same number of cards, but you might have a different circumstance in which your cards have been dealt. Why am I saying this? Well, somebody comes into the kingdom of God maybe at six years old. They're going to be dealt a different situation than somebody that comes in at 40. 
They've all been dealt the same measure of faith the day they got born again, but they have to overcome different situations and circumstances because of lived experience. Maybe somebody they got born again uh, when they were 40 years old and they never heard anything about church. They weren't born in the church. They didn't grow up around church things. So they don't have any idea how this works, how that works, how any of these things go together. They have the same amount of faith, but the, what they have on their cars is a little different. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home, but you didn't give your heart to God until you were 15 years old. Now you were exposed to the different things of the kingdom of God. You were exposed to communion. You were exposed to all the church stuff. But when you got born again, you all got the same amount of faith. God has given or he's dealt to everyone the same measure of faith. But the cars that you were dealt with, now that's what we got to deal with. That area, maybe you have to overcome areas of unbelief. It's because you thought this way and God says that. Now you have to have your mind renewed so that your thinking lines up with the book. A younger person physically doesn't have as much to overcome because they haven't had much life experience that they have to contend with. Does that make sense? Now, he says faith, therefore, He's, God has dealt to every man the measure of the every man the measure of faith. And we've said on Thursday night that a measure is a level, a quantity, an amount, or a condition. Everyone in the kingdom of God, the day you get born again, comes into the kingdom of God with the same level of faith. Everyone in the kingdom of God comes in with the same quantity, which is size, the same amount, and the same condition. God doesn't say, well, he's a black person, so I'm going to deal him a, 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 a something different than somebody that's white. No, everybody in the kingdom of God comes in with the exact same measure of faith. In fact, Acts chapter 10 and verse 34, Peter says, he opens his mouth, he says in verse 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive, I'm finally getting hold of this, he says, that God is no respecter of Persons. Verse 35, he says, But in every nation that fear of him and the work of righteousness is accepted with him. God has given everyone the ability to believe. You come into the kingdom of God. You say, well, why is it that I'm not walking on the impossible? Why am I not seeing manifestation of certain things? It's because of you. It's not because of what you were dealt. If you're not seeing things manifesting in your life, you need to check your believing. It's not based on the seed. The seed is incorruptible. The seed gives the, the ability to believe, but you're believing and that's on you. We need to check that out. I've said before, and I haven't said it in a while, I think today is a good day to say it again. You are as close to God as you want to be. You got born again. Well, you want to build your faith? That's on you. You don't? You won't. If you want to develop the amount that you have, that's on you. It's not on God. You will or you won't. Don't get mad when you see me walk in manifestation and you are stagnant. That's not on God. That's on you. Why? Let's look over here really quick. Because in John chapter 6 and verse 63, I'll say these things really quick. It says, Jesus speaking, he says, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. What does that mean? He is essentially saying that the word is encapsulized power. It's encapsulized power. That's the reason why the devil fights so hard on us getting hold of the word. So many churches have turned into TED Talks. So many churches have turned into all kind of inspirational things, but they're not word-based because the devil knows if you get hold of the word and start adding faith to it, then you'll have manifestation. That's how you take a city in the name of Jesus. It's because you have people that are coming together in agreement based on the word of God and God can move. Look over at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. Familiar scripture again. Now watch this. Scripture says, for the word of God is quick. That word quick there literally means it is alive. It's quick. It literally means to give life. And powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit, and of the joints and the marrow. 
It says, and is a discerner of the thoughts and in the intent of the heart. He says, for the word of God is quick or it is alive. Now the question again becomes, then why am I not saying nothing? Because you have to mix faith with it. Do you believe the word? And I've said this in the past and I'll say it again. It's possible for you to know the word by mental assent and not believe the word you know. It's possible for you to be a professor, a preacher, and teach and preach the word and not really believe it. I was around preaching back in the day, back in my, my Shaw University days, and, and I discovered that while I was an undergraduate. I was like, I'm around these great preachers of the gospel. Man, they get in the pulpit, they can do it, boy. They, they preach up something. They say, oh, you preaching, doc. But as I start talking to them and having those behind-the-scenes conversations, I begin to discover something about some of them. They ain't believe the word. They knew how to perform, but they didn't know how to walk. They knew how to get people to shout, but they didn't know how to teach and minister so they see manifestation in their lives. Do you believe the word that you preach? That's one of the reasons why preachers get into areas of manipulation because they really don't believe the word that they preach. Do you believe? Because the impossible is not impossible with God. But it's not on God, it's on you. Now, when we are talking, though, about this area of believing and walking by faith, we said again that faith's major attribute is this area of contradiction. Faith's major attribute. He says, walk by faith, not by sight. That's what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. But it means that you don't want me to give credence beyond a certain point to what I see with or sense with my senses. You want me to essentially believe what you said over what I see, and that's the rub. God, you want me to believe you when I see that. You want me to believe this promise and ignore that. Not that it means that that isn't real, but you want me to ignore or disregard that to believe this. Well, we have an issue because I have a contradiction, at least from the outside if I'm looking. In other words, when you have a person like Noah, that's he and his family are out building an ark. They're building something for something that no one's ever seen. It seems like their life is a contradiction until one day they're arranged. It seems like his life and his family have been wasting their time until a situation changes. When God tells you to walk by faith, he's telling you to walk by his word because the same thing that other people die in and they're flooded with, you'll rise above. You'll rise above just like Noah, that circumstance that takes other people out because you choose to walk by faith. But it also means at the same time that God calls you to this area of contradiction, which leads us to this next area that faith's true fight, if you will, is the good fight of faith. Faith's true fight is the good fight of faith. Let's look over at 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12, the Bible says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and has, uh, and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. He says, fight the good fight of faith. God calls me to live a life of faith, and this major attribute in regards to my faith is contradiction. And he tells us, therefore, to fight this good fight of faith. Why are you telling me to fight this good fight of faith? Because he knew there's going to be a contradiction. There's going to be, I feel like this, I see that, but he says, believe this. I see what's going on here, but he says, believe that. And there is this area that happens where you gotta fight. 
But he says it's a good fight of faith. It'd be one thing if he just said fight the fight of faith, but he doesn't. He says it's the good fight. Because from God's perspective, he already sees you as victorious. The day you decide that I'm going to stand and stick with the word of God, he says, he says over in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, because we read in 1 John. Amen. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Are you a born of God person? If you are, he says, whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Overcoming the world is on the inside of me. The capacity to overcome the world system is on the inside of me because I'm born of God. He says, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Our faith there is the key to overcoming the world system. And so therefore it makes sense when he says to fight the good fight of faith because he says on the inside of you, you have world overcoming faith. Now, when we're talking about this fight though, I'm, I'm, I got this contradiction of reality and faith. What I see in manifestation and what I'm believing for. God says I put terms in regards to that area in your life. So let's look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to show you this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. These are what I define as the rules of the fight. Because every sport has some rules. Every sport has some rules. I like to use the boxing analogy. You just can't hit anywhere. You just can't hit any place that you see on that person's body. Because there are rules that govern how in the water you are supposed to be fighting. And I submit to you, just like it is in natural boxing, so it is in the realm of the spirit. There are certain rules that God has put in place that you can't hit me here. Rules of engagement in warfare, that there's a definition that, that it is literally a, a directive issue by a military authority controlling the use of the degree of force. There are certain things that are out of play. It is especially a circumstance or limitations in engaging in combat. And in other words, the rules of engagement says, no, we're going to fight. We're going to fight in this warfare. But there are certain things that we won't go past. There are certain things we won't do. Now, we understand naturally that a lot of people violate that. And that's a different situation for a different time. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. Let's look. Let's understand these rules of the fight. The scripture says, there has no temptation, I the King James, taking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able. And he says, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. I submit to you that these are the rules of the fight of faith. Let's look at this, let's break this down. Rule number one, no uncommon fight is permitted. The Amplified Version of the Bible says it like this, for no temptation, no trial regarded as enticing to sin, no matter how it comes or where it leads, has overtaken you and laid hold on you that is not common to man. And he says that is no temptation or trial has come to you that is beyond human resistance and that is not unjust and adapted and belonging to the to human experience as such as man can bear. In other words, rule number one in this fight is that you cannot be presented with an issue that's uncommon to man. The Bible says that we can know of Satan's devices because he uses the same thing over and over and over again. Why is this the case? Because he can't present to you something that's uncommon to the human experience. In other words, nothing beyond the human resistance and nothing beyond the human's capacity or ability to adapt and bear up against it. That is rule number one. So the issue that you're facing in your life where your, face is, where your faith is concerned is something that's common. The issue that you're facing in the resistance and trying to believe God and believing God because of the contradictions that are in your life, you cannot say no one else has ever gone through this before because it's not permitted. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 9 says, Who resists him steadfast in the faith, watch, the, watch what it says, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished 
in your brethren that are in the world. In other words, somebody somewhere has overcome that issue that you're struggling with. This is something I would say to somebody that has been abused when they were a young person. Somebody that didn't grow up with a dad. Somebody somewhere overcame it. And so it removes your ability to walk in an excuse. Because God says this would not have been possible in your life if you didn't have the capacity to overcome it. It's rule number one of this fight. Rule number two, he says, we see in the scripture, he says, but God is faithful, out of the Amplified, to his word and to his compassionate nature. Watch this. And he can be trusted. Now that's an issue in and of itself. Can you trust God? He says, not to let you be tempted or tried or saved beyond your ability and strength of resistance and power to endure. So rule number two is you must have the capacity to overcome. When I am faced with this fight of faith, it can't be an uncommon fight that no one's ever overcome. It cannot be something beyond the human ability. And I must have the capacity to overcome it or it can't come in my life. Rule number two, you must have the capacity to overcome. Which the word capacity means ability to perform. You say, man, I'm, I'm under this pressure. I'm under this issue. Well, God wouldn't allow it to be permitted in your life if he didn't give you the ability to overcome. The reason why it's in your life is because God says you can handle it. Let's keep going. He says, but with the temptation, he will always, thank God for this. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He says, but with the temptation, he will always provide the way out, the means of escape to a landing place that you may be able, oh, I'm sorry, that you may be capable is what the uh, Amplified says, and strong and powerful, power, powerful to bear up under it patiently. So rule number three, just right here of the fight. Rule number three is a life option must be presented in, within every fight. A life option must be presented in every fight. The good fight of faith, I have to have a way of escape. It has to be provided inside of this fight. I must be able to bear it, which means I must be able to get to the other side or it's not permitted. So when I'm fighting the good fight of faith, the reason why I can stand is because he would not allow this unless I had the capacity to overcome it. He would not allow it if no one else has ever overcome it before ever in life. He would not allow it if there wasn't a life option attached to this trial that I'm going through. Five things you should know, and I'm going to close. Five things you should know. Number one, we fight from victory. The good fight of faith, he says, fight the good fight of faith in this area of contradiction. you got to understand, I'm not fighting to get victory. I am in victory, and that's where I stand. That's where I fight. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, Now thanks be unto God, who always, notice the term, causes us to triumph in Christ. And makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. He says, thanks be unto God. He's the cause of your ability to triumph, but not in yourself, in him. My battle is the good fight of faith because I'm already declared the winner before we even start the fight. Second thing that I must know, I must know that faith is therefore predated victory. Faith is predated victory. He says you call to triumph. He says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. When you step out in faith and believe that you receive, heaven says from our accounts, when we look at our books, we've already declared you're the winner. You just got to walk it out. The only thing that will keep you from winning is if you quit. That thing God gave you, it looks difficult. It looks like maybe it's never going to happen. The only thing that will keep you from becoming and manifesting it is your quit, not God. I want you to get this, get this in your spirit. Faith sees victory in defeat. Faith sees victory in defeat. Faith speaks life to dead and dry areas. And then faith acts like it wins or is winning 
even when it appears like it's losing. Faith sees victory where there is defeat. This is the reason why everybody is not called to areas of leadership. Because a leader has to see a successful situation where everybody sees failure. A coach has to see a team that has the ability to win a championship when nobody else can see it. Faith sees the end from the very beginning and then it begins to speak to call those things that be not as though they were. It begins to speak to dry and desolate areas and declare you will live. Faith acts therefore like it's one because you are fighting from victory and not to get victory. Things I must know. Number three, watch this. You have the capacity to be equipped to succeed. It'd be one thing, he says, thanks be unto, be unto God who always caused you to triumph in yourself. He didn't. He says, thanks be unto God who always caused you to triumph in Christ. Look over here really quick. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 11. He says, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The Amplified, the classic Amplified says, but put on, he says, put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavy armored soldier, which God supplies. It'd be one thing if he told you walk out there by yourself. It'd be one thing if he told you to walk by faith and you own your own. No, he said, I'm with you the whole time. Put my gear on that you may be able to stand successfully and stand up against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. The question is, will you put it on? Well, 2 Peter chapter 1 tells us that he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, but he says through a knowledge of him. So I submit to you the armor of God is applied knowledge of the kingdom of God. Putting what you know on, acting on what he said, that's what gives you the ability to overcome that issue of life. You start thinking like God. You start acting like God. And as long as you start thinking, acting, and speaking like God, the devil is confused of who he's talking to. You look just like Jesus in a situation and a circumstance that you're in as long as you keep the arm on. That's the reason why the devil keeps trying to pull you out into areas of carnality because he wants you to get out that armor because in that armor is victory. In that armor is triumph. But if he can get you in your flesh, he can get you into the arena of defeat. That's why that temptation to cuss them out keeps showing up in your life because he wants to pull you out of the armor. Get out here in this, uh, get out here in this flesh where I can get to you. Because as long as you keep acting like Jesus, you'll keep seeing what Jesus saw. You'll still see yourself successful. You'll see yourself in manifestation of victory. Things you should know. Watch this. Is number four. You have power and authority. You have power and authority. Matthew 28 and verse 18 through 20, of course, says, And Jesus spake, came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And then he says, because that authority is given to me, he says, go therefore and teach all nations. In other words, I'm transferring this power to you. Mark chapter 16, verse uh, 15 through uh, 18, dropping down and said, and these signs, uh, verse 17, shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. Why? Because you are not going in your ability. You are going in his ability and in his authority. Now I said all that and that's good. But the fifth thing that you should know, the fifth thing that you should know is that you have the power to issue permits. You have the power to, per, to issue permits. Now notice once again at second, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Scripture says, there has no temptation taking you but is such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer that you be tempted above that which you are able. Now, have you ever seen somebody that has seemed to be tempted with something that they don't seem to have the capacity to overcome? Have you ever seen somebody, you see, well, this scripture, Reverend, but I, I've seen myself, somebody had an issue that's in their life that seems like if God knew that they could overcome it, 
I mean, what's going on? Because they don't seem to be able to overcome that. The fifth thing is important. You have the power to issue permits just like God does. When you grant a permit or authorize a trial within your life, God has to permit that trial within your life. When you authorize or grant a permit within your life, God has to permit that trial within your life. In other words, you can sign on to extra trials yourself. You can sign on to extra obstacles yourself. God says the ones that I permit in your life, you have the capacity, you have the ability to overcome them because I wouldn't permit it otherwise. But you, with your moral agency, can permit a trial to come into your own life. How, Reverend, is that possible? I'm glad you asked that. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse number 2 says, Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. The word snare means to be caught by a bait, enticed. Thou art snared by the words of thy mouth. So my mouth can issue a permit to the devil in my life. That's part of the reason why I said a minute ago, you know, if you get out in the flesh and you act carnal, it ain't you under attack. You got out in the flesh and you issued a permit to the devil. The moment you say, Lord, Lord, I'm tired. You're taking too long. I'm going to handle this. Sit back, Jesus, and let me do this. He'll say, all right, go ahead. At that time when you start to do that, what you're saying is I'm now saying, hey, hey, Satan, this is a permit for this. Here's a license for you to do this in my life because I'm issuing you a permit in my life. And God has to allow your free more agency for that to come to pass in your life because of your mouth. You don't believe that? Take a look at it. Proverbs 18 and verse 21. It says, death and life is in the power. As we said before, the power literally means the hand. It's from that word, that Hebrew word, yod, the hand of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So in other words, once again, it might be a trial that's in your life. God only allows trials to come or this area where you got to fight the good fight of faith to come where you're able to overcome. But you can sign on for any trial that you want to with your mouth because you have allowed entrance of that thing in your life. Death in life is in the power of the tongue. Your mouth, therefore, issues permits into your life. You say, well, Reverend, we got to go to watching what we say. That's what I'm saying. Faith is released through words. Faith is released through words. Faith receives from God that thing which is desired. It is the invisible hand that receives from the invisible circumstance or the invisible world of the kingdom, the thing which is desired. Fear, though, works the exact opposite way, but yet the same way. It is the invisible hand that takes from the world of darkness and brings in manifestation in your life. When you are speaking faith, you are bringing the positive into your life. When you are speaking fear, doubt, and unbelief, you are bringing the things that is dreaded into your life. God has to permit that it comes in your life because you won't govern your mouth. It's not on God, it's on you. It kind of goes back to what we said a minute ago. God is able to do the impossible thing in your life when you have cooperation. But now, if you, if you give a permit to the enemy to do something in your life, he has the ability to come into your life because not because God wanted him there, but because you invited him there. That's why he says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But if you don't submit to God, and you invite the devil, he will come in and stop with you. The choice is not on God, but the choice is on you. You say, well, I'm struggling in this area of doubt. I'm struggling in this area of doubt. Well, God says, spend more time with me. Spending more time with me begins to build you. You say, well, I'm struggling in this area of doubt. We well, say, well, I ain't got time to read the word. I ain't got time to do all that kind of stuff because I am busy. 
God says, okay, this is the issue. And little by little, you'll check out what you've been saying. Check out what you've been spending time with. What you've been spending time with begins to come out of your mouth. And what begins to come out of your mouth begins to become a draw in your life. If I'm filled with worry and anxiety in my life, look at what you've been spending your time with. Have I been spending time with God? Or am I spending time with the issue and giving an issuing permits to the devil in my life, in my mind? I don't have a real good clothes here. That's where we're going to stop. We're going to pick up right here on Thursday night. We got to understand how to fight the good fight of faith. And he says it's a good fight because you're supposed to win. God doesn't call you to anything that has failure attached to it. When he says, I want you to take me at my word, that seed alone has winning and overcoming capacity on the inside of it. It's not a question as to whether or not it can succeed. It's a question of whether or not you'll stick with it to move into this area of victory that you, by faith, already have. Let's pray. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus, we bless you and we praise you for this opportunity to have gotten into your word. Lord, we choose to fight the good fight of faith. We thank you, Lord, that it's a good fight because we already win. But Lord, we just lift up those areas in our lives where God, we're faced with the contradiction. God, you said this, but we see that. God, you said move here, but Lord, we see the limitations. And God, sometimes those limitations, man, they speak so loud. But Lord, we thank you that you're greater than our hearts. You're greater than what we see. And so we do open our mouths and we say, Lord, we choose to trust you. We know that you are unable to lie. We know that you're greater than he that's in the world. And you live on the inside of us. So, Lord, we will stand in the full armor of God. And we'll resist the devil because we are standing submitted to you. And we declare in every area of our lives, the devil, you must flee now. Worry and anxiety, you must flee now in the name of Jesus. We cast the whole of our cares on you because you care for us, dear Father. And so, Father, we believe that we receive your peace in the midst of this fight. Because we choose to trust you. We thank you, Lord, that you haven't called us to any area of life that has failure attached to it. So we give you praise, Lord. We're just walking out your plan of victory. We're walking out your plan of success. We're walking out your plan of glory. And we choose to believe. God, for all the lives that will be touched by our obedience, Lord, we say yes. For all the families that will be impacted by our obedience, we say yes. We give you praise. We give you glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. All right. Praise the Lord. All right. It's giving time. Amen, amen, amen. It's giving time. Possible for them to whom all will believe. Do you believe what the word says concerning your giving? Do you believe what God says that he's able? Let's look over here really quick over in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. <clears throat>
I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians, I do that all the time for some reason. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Scripture says in verse number 6, But I say, but this I say, He which sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Verse number 7, Every man according as he has purposed in his heart. He says, your giving should be connected to what you purpose and decided within your heart. He says, so let him give. Give according to what you have determined in your heart. And then he puts the caveat, not grudgingly, nor out of necessity. I'm not giving grudgingly. I'm not giving out of necessity. He says, for God loves a cheerful giver. So he says essentially that you should purpose in your heart to be a cheerful, as the Amplified says, prompt to do it giver. If you're going to give grudgingly, keep your money. If you're going to give out of necessity, keep your money. Give because your heart is purposed to give. Your heart's in your giving. He says, verse number eight, for the person whose heart is in their giving, for the person that has decided not to grudgingly give or give out of necessity, but give as a cheerful giver, he says, verse number eight, this applies to you. Watch the term. And God is able. That impossible thing. I allow God's ability in my life because of how I purpose my heart. I allow God's ability in my life because I've determined to be a cheerful giver in my heart. I allow God to do the impossible in my life and God is able to make all grace. The word grace literally means all the favor of God. He says abound towards you. The favor of God is able or I it has the ability now in my life because of my heart's desire, my heart's cheerfulness in my giving to allow the favor of God to abound in my life. That ye always having all sufficiency. So that means I, I'm going to have sufficiency in my life because of my heart condition and my giving. And all things may abound to every good work. The work that God has assigned me to. I'm going to abound because it's directly connected to my sowing of the seed that he directs me to sow and I sow from a cheerful, prompt to do it heart. When you do it in compliance to the way God designed the system, he says, I'm able to do this in your life. I'm able. I'm able. Three ways you can give and sow into the training center. Number one is by way of our website, www.thetrainingcenter-church.org. The second way is by way of our cash app, dollar sign one TTC. And last but definitely not least, you can sow by way of our PO box number, the Training Center, PO box 2358 Gastonia, North Carolina, 28053. All three ways will be received by this ministry and we thank you for whatever seed that the Spirit of God is leading you to sow into this ministry. And of course you can sow live and in the house. While you do that we're going to set ourselves in agreement with the seeds that are sown into this ministry. Father we give you praise and we give you glory. We thank you Lord that you're able to supply every need in our lives. Lord we bring our tithes and our offering to you. Lord, we do so as we have purpose in our heart to be cheerful, prompt to do it, givers. And so, Lord, because of that, we thank you that you are able to meet our needs in our life. You're able to supply us abundantly because we live under an open heaven. And so, Lord, with our faith, we have full expectation that you keep your word. And you told us in your word to just put you in remembrance of your word. So we declare all of our needs are met in the name of Jesus. We have plenty more to put in store because you are the one that supplies us with abundance because of our seeds. And so Lord, we just thank you by faith that we believe that we receive an abundant supply in our house. In Jesus name we pray. Everyone did say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to do one last thing.
we don't necessarily have to stream that per se, but let's take communion on this Palm Sunday. All right. Praise the Lord. 